0: Thanks for joining us today. This is Kevin Mullins, pastor at Broad River Church. And we're really grateful that you checked us out. If this message has been inspiring to you, we hope that you visit our website at broadriver.church. And you can go to the plan a visit page and see if there's a time that you could visit Broad River Church in person. You also can give at that same webpage. And you can check us out also on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Broad River Church. We hope this message is a blessing to you. Bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles this morning to John chapter eleven. Maybe you've got a paper copy like mine. If you've got that handy, grab that, get it out, or maybe pull it up on your digital device there. I'd like us to read from the fourth account of Jesus' life here on earth. We call it the gospel, which just means good news. And we believe that every single word in this Bible is good news. So we're going to read in John chapter 11. My name is Kevin, along with my wife Jacinta. We're lead pastors here. We're glad that you joined us online this morning. Let me mention two things before we dig in. First of all, we believe this time of social distancing doesn't need to be a time of isolation. In fact, people are finding um, in and around our church that They're developing deeper relationships, and they're going deeper in their faith during this time, and that is because of our small groups. We have virtual small groups meeting throughout the week. We'd love to get you information about being a part of those. You can go to our website. It's going to appear there on the screen, but it's broadriver.church slash Groups to see a listing and also to let us know that you're interested, or you can just write small groups, type small groups in on your Connect card that's going to come up there. The second thing I want to mention um, as we, Especially if you are a member of our church or a regular attender, we thank you for continuing to be faithful in your giving this time. Uh, perhaps in the past you've only given in person, and now the only opportunity really is to give online. Or if you want to mail to our, our church address, you can always do that as well. But we want to continue to be faithful, keeping in mind... Um, the increased opportunity that we have to be a help in people's lives. We don't believe that it is the city and the area's responsibility to support the church and serve the church. We believe it's exactly the opposite. God has put us in this place to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so we want to step boldly into that place. We've already had the opportunity to be a help to people in need. Um, The the Galatians chapter 6 verse 10 says, If you have the opportunity, be a help to everybody, but especially those of the household of faith and so we are making sure we're taking care especially of those people that are part of our church so thank you for your faithfulness in giving it'll come up there on the screen broadriver.church slash give um, and you can get information on that and if you have any questions on giving please reach out to us and let us know we normally stand to honor the reading of the gospel so if you'd like to do that today where you are that would be great Today is going to actually be pretty interactive. You have already had the, the palms we've been waving, and in just a few minutes we'll celebrate communion together, and now you have a chance to stand if you'd like to. So we'll start down in the middle of an incredible moment in the ministry of Jesus. You need to read the whole thing, but let me highlight for you verses 32 through 37. Here's what God says to us in this verses here. could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, you're my rock and my redeemer. We pray that you would speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. These verses that we read this morning include Jesus weeping. And they all happen at this very strange and dark and anxious time. A man named Lazarus gets sick, and Lazarus just happens to have a friend of the family named Jesus, who is this visionary healer. Lazarus and his sisters named Mary and Martha, they have this kind of special relationship with Jesus. Jesus has stayed in their home. They've cooked with him. They've laughed at him together. There's probably not too many people who just got the chance to just hang out casually with Jesus, but these three did. But when Lazarus gets sick, Jesus isn't there. He's not around. So Mary and Martha send a message to Jesus. It's it's back up in verse 3. We didn't read this uh, of the same chapter it says this, So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And Jesus responds when he hears this right away. He's very strong and confident in his response. And you can read this. But when he hears the news about Lazarus, what he says and how he responds is kind of difficult and really kind of hard to understand. Especially because the next verse reminds us that Jesus really loved Mary and Martha and his friend Lazarus. And so it gets difficult to understand because we find out that Jesus, when he hears this news, doesn't leave right away. In fact, he, he stayed two more days where he was. Now, I don't know about you, but when, uh, when things get urgent, I want people to respond with, with urgency. There's this old hip-hop song by a guy named Ja Rule, I think featuring Ashanti, that says, I'm not always there when you call, but I'm always on time. And when I think about that here, I'm kind of like, nah, Ja, I don't want you just to be on time. I want you to be there when I call, especially if something's up, especially if things are, are bad. When I call, I want you to say hello. And Mary and Martha here are saying, your boy Lazarus Jesus is really sick, and Jesus waits two days. Now, if you read down, you'll find out that his friends, they live in a town called Bethany, which is really close to Jerusalem. And what you need to know is, at this point in time, it's not safe for Jesus to go to Jerusalem. In fact, once his disciples hear that Jesus is actually going to head toward Lazarus, They try to talk him out of it. They say, hey, Jesus, it might not be the best idea to go to Bethany. I don't know if you remember, the last time you were there, there were people trying to stone you. And Jesus says, no, we're going. My friend has fallen asleep. You can read this in the the chapter. And we need to go wake him up. Now, his disciples are not always... Uh, The swiftest crowd, they don't get it because Jesus wasn't saying that Lazarus was taking a nap. He was saying, my friend is dead and I need to go bring him back to life. Now, I want you to see two things here. And I think these both matter for where we are right here and right now. First of all, Jesus is aware that he's going to arrive too late. Get this. But what is too late for everyone else is actually the exact right time. I mean, he says it. It's, it's time to go now. My friend has passed away. Well, Jesus, that, that sounds like late to me, and everyone around him is upset and angry and scared. All his disciples. Everyone on the other end is, is angry and upset and scared. And guess who isn't upset and angry and scared? It's Jesus. He said, it's okay. He, he's dead, but we'll go wake him up. And check it. There isn't any distant or out of th- anything out of touch or disconnected about his timing here. We've already read one of the most famous verses in the whole Bible that shows just how much Lazarus mattered to Jesus. So it wasn't about being disconnected or cold. No, Jesus' timing was directed toward what was best for his friend. Which leads you to the second thing that I want you to see. And that that is that there is more going on here. And I want you to see this because I believe this moment that we're in right now, there's more going on here. I, I mean, for these people, more than the people on his end that were upset and the people on the other end that were sad because they didn't understand. The sisters are going to be upset that He didn't come in time. You you came too late, they're going to say to Him. The disciples are really upset that He's going to go at all. You're going to get stoned, Jesus, if you go to Bethany. But Jesus knows the end from the beginning, so He doesn't have to be frantic. He's able to do things in exactly the way that they need to happen. I, I think sometimes we've been more influenced uh, by the movies, when we think about God, than we are the scripture. Like there's this this old one featuring uh, Jim Carrey called Bruce Almighty. And in this movie, God kind of gets overwhelmed with all the prayer requests that are coming and, and he has to prioritize the request by urgency. right? So an earthquake gets prioritized over a child's uh, cat getting caught in a tree. But listen, that doesn't have anything at all to do with how our God receives and responds to the things we pray. Get this, there's more going on, and it's all about what's best for Lazarus. Jesus didn't delay going to Lazarus because he had to prioritize other people first. That's not why he stayed. He showed up at exactly the right time for Lazarus to get the healing and the new life that he needed. I wonder how many times you want to control both both sides of the prayers that you pray, right? We often, when we pray, we want to control both the asking side and the responding side. But all it takes to know why God doesn't do things our way is to look at all the many times in our lives that we have controlled both the need and the response, This is how you've lived most of your life. I've got a need. I need to go meet it. And oftentimes, you know that the way that we respond to our needs come up short of meeting the real need. That's why we call on a God that sees the end from the beginning. And he says, when you call, I will answer. So Jesus does arrive at Bethany, and when he gets there, it's a really sad scene. This is what we read. Everyone is weeping and crying. Lazarus is dead. Both sisters can't believe that he showed up too late. We, we saw Mary saying the same thing in the verses we read, but we didn't see that her, her sister Martha said the exact same thing. It's in verse 22, but she says, or I'm sorry, verse 21. She said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And everybody that's on the scene, this is what's at the top of their minds and their hearts. But for Jesus, in this moment, there is so much more going on. And as we head into this holy week that leads to Easter, I want us together to see The more. Because as the living man Jesus is standing here watching Mary weep, thinking about the dead man Lazarus, get this, he is Jesus himself standing between life and death. If you were to read on into this chapter, and you should, this is an incredible chapter of scripture, you'll see that the very next thing that happens is the plan to kill Jesus kind of kicks into the next gear. It's into high gear now. He's just about himself, Jesus, to enter into this long ordeal that's going to end up in his complete isolation from human love. This is where Jesus is heading next. It's going to end with him dying all by himself from his asphyxiation, right? His inability to breathe. This is how he dies up in public, publicly humiliated for everyone to see. I've thought about it, and I'm sure most of you have too, about the horror that many have experienced. This past week and these past few weeks of of having to see loved ones die and not being able to be there with them when it happens. And as I consider Jesus standing in this moment, I'm reminded that when he dies, the people who loved him will also be watching at a distance. They do it because that's all they're able to do. And those that are weeping, Lazarus' sister's, They don't know any of this. They don't know about the more that's going on because they're just so consumed by their grief because their brother is dead. But I want you to check this out. I love this. Even in this moment, even in this moment of severe grief, there is something inside of these sisters. And I believe that there is that same something inside of all of you that are watching today. To the people who don't know Jesus, it it would have seemed like they were being irrational in their hope. Verse 22, she says, Martha says to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. I love that hope. I want that hope to to rise up in all of you today. And Jesus' response to her is something that every one of us needs to get today. It needs to shake you. As we contemplate disease and sickness, And death in a way that most of us have never done before. Right in the middle of this sorrow, Jesus wants Martha to know something that he wants all of us to know. He says, Martha, you want me to bring life back into your brother's body, but don't miss this. He says in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. What is he saying to Martha? It's me, Martha. Right? This fragile looking human standing in front of you, this man that is right now in real danger from the authorities, I am the resurrection. I am the life of God. And the story says here that she believes him. Listen, eternal life is not something, it is someone. Eternal life is not a thing to be pursued. It is a person to be embraced. Jesus says, it's me. Believe in me, and even if you die, you'll live. The last thing I want you to see is that Jesus does lose his composure. He's been real intentional and confident and deliberate, but when he shows up on the scene and he comes in contact with how deep their grief is, verse 33 says he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. He he says, I want you to go show me where you've laid him. I want to see where he's buried. And watch this, Lazarus is buried in a cave and there's a stone lying against it. And as Jesus approaches the grave, he knows that it won't be long before there will be another cave and another stone separating the living from the dead. This whole scene here is is like a foreshadow for his own death that is, is just days away. And now that he's with them in this moment and he sees their sorrow and he sees the grave, the scripture says he cries. Some translation says Jesus wept. Why why is Jesus crying here? I I think for several reasons. I think he's crying because of Lazarus. He loves Lazarus. And because he was far away from him when he died. But I think he's also weeping for himself, too. He knows that he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead and he's going to continue living his life. But he also knows that Jesus knows that he's going to his own death and he's giving up a life that he enjoys. He's giving up a life that is good. I think he weeps for a love that is going to fall away. This human connection for the pain and the isolation that is just days away now. Listen, if we don't understand that Jesus was both fully God and also fully man, fully human, we miss out on how great his sacrifice for us was. And there's more to his weeping. I think he weeps In this moment for all of humanity and and the death that it experiences for all time. God hates death. In this moment, He cries for everyone who will die isolated. He, he weeps for every father, every grandmother who dies in a hospital alone. He weeps for every grieving sister and brother and mother. Jesus, in this moment, is experiencing the loneliness and the sorrow of every human being. It all comes down on Him in this moment as He stands at the grave of His friend. The last few weeks... As I've heard of so many passing from this life, including many here in our own town, there's been several times that I've cried. I'm sure many of you have as well. Thinking of people dying, and not just dying, but dying lonely, is something that moves all of us. But listen, if I'm honest, my tears are not just for those who have passed, and not just for those... People who love those who have passed. My tears also come from a place of realization that they are just like me. And that could have been me. And listen, that is me. I wonder if any of you have had these moments. And there's been moments for me where it's been too much. Moments where... I've had to look away and just kind of distance myself with and distract myself with something else. But Jesus does not look away. He doesn't shrink back from this moment. He doesn't falter. His love is rock-like. Listen, love needs to be unflinching. And that's what happens in Jesus here. Jesus staring at this stone, covering up a cave that contains his friend. And that stone is like a doorway that separates the living from the dead. And Jesus cries out, roll away the stone. And out of this place of death, And listen to me, this was not some sort of pretend kind of death. Lazarus wasn't just taking a nap. He was so dead, in fact, that everyone was worried about how bad he was going to smell after four days of being dead. Out of that place comes a living man responding to God's words of love. Come out. Don't stay there. Lazarus, come forth. He comes. Lazarus stumbling out toward life and toward safety. And hear me this morning, that same call is being made to all of you this morning. Here's why this matters. Here's why it matters for this week that we're moving into. Different from any other holy week that any of us have ever encountered. Here's, Here's why it matters for this time of communion that we're just about to experience together. Here's why it matters for those of you who have arrived at this moment to hear these words that God planned for you to hear from before you were born. Hear the words. Because Jesus will die, Lazarus who died will live. So there's going to be another tomb and another rock doorway between living people grieving on the outside and a dead body resting inside. There's going to be another stone that's rolled away. This time it's going to be rolled away by angels and everybody will look inside to find a completely empty place. And Jesus who lives and Jesus who loves will not be there because he will be somewhere else. I'm getting excited and that's for next week. Listen, we sang this word earlier today, Hosanna, as we waved our palm branches. And that was the word people cried out when Jesus enters into Jerusalem, the week that he would be killed. He's headed there right now. And it was a triumphant moment. This this word Hosanna means save us, please rescue us. And Jesus is the king that came to rescue us. But listen to me this morning. The story of Jesus raising the dead man, Lazarus, is not just a story of rescue. It's about what happens beyond rescue. It's not just a story about healing. It's a, a story about a sacrifice that is coming. It's, it's not just a story about being triumphant, but also about being patient, and standing here at Lazarus's tomb, Jesus is looking ahead to his own suffering. And in this moment, Jesus shows us something that's so important about the grief of God, and I want everyone to hear this. Get this today. Love is stronger than death. Love is stronger than death. And here and now, right in the middle of all of all that all of us are facing together as a human family, that is the promise that our grieving God makes to all of us. Love is stronger than death. And because of love, God is emptying all the tombs. Pray with me this morning. God, thank you for your words of life. Thank you for how they lift us. Thank you for how they encourage us. Thank you, Lord, for this love. Thank you for this sacrifice. Thank you for the more that is going on behind the scenes that that we don't even have to manage all of that, but that you are there managing it on our behalf. You are there making intercession to the Father on our behalf. Thank you for the protection and the safety. And thank you more than anything beyond the rescue for the, the new life that you have for all of us. And I just want to pray for anybody this morning that may have joined us. And you you might say, you know what? I've never really even made the decision to place my my heart and my life in the hands of Jesus. I've never made the decision to follow Jesus. Or maybe it's been a long time since you made that decision. I'd like to say a prayer with you. And if that's you this morning, I want you to to, uh, take advantage of this moment. Don't wait another Sunday. Don't wait another day. Follow Jesus today. Surrender your heart to Jesus today. He's got new life for you. He's got a a fuller life, a more abundant, as the scripture says, kind of life for you. And if you want to make that decision today, I'm just going to say a prayer. And I'd just like you to repeat the words that I say. And you might want to close your head or, or bow your head and close your eyes And you might just want to just to repeat these words after me. And as I'm saying them, they're my words, but make them your words as you pray them. If you want to make that decision today, pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for coming for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you that because you died, I can live. And so Jesus I want to follow you. I give you my heart. I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of all the ways that I've turned against you and turn my heart back to you. And to the best of my ability, I'll follow you all of my days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.